Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and we are back at it again, like we are every single week. And this time, we're just going to go straight into it. So first, some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Softball is also on YouTube, so subscribe. The video is pretty cool. Again, you get to see the guests the way that I do when they talk, and it's just really fun that way. So let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Ashley Burkhart. She played pro ball. She played D1 college softball. And now she works with athletes. So she's just a great resource and kind of my soul sister as we ended up finding out through this conversation. So I'm excited for you to hear it. Then we'll end things as usual with the foul tip of the week where we share tips to help us keep going and get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, BetOnline has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. Today we're going to start where we sort of left off last week with covering our bases, the World Games. They were set to conclude as we released last week's episode, but now it's come to fruition. So redemption is red, white, and blue. USA won gold in the rematch that essentially was the Tokyo Olympics gold medal game against Japan. For me, a few things that were awesome about it, one year after Tokyo, on their home turf, this time with family and friends in the stands. Just what a moment for USA softball. And the other thing is, the game doesn't know your age, no matter the stage, right? In the circle, it was veterans, Monica Abbott getting the start, Allie Carter coming in and shutting things down. And then in the box, it was the new Texas grad, Janae Jefferson, who got the big hit in the RBIs that ultimately put the Eagles on top. So seeing both of those things in action was super, super cool. I also have to give credit where credit's due. Yamato Fujita from Japan is freaking legit. Two-way player, right? And we all know I love those. But just for some background, at the World Games, she hit 500 with three home runs. Then you even look back to the Tokyo Olympics, she hit 389 with three home runs again and a 1.75 ERA in the circle. She ended up getting MVP of the Olympics. Pretty freaking cool for softball. And the World Baseball Softball Confederation pointed out on social media recently, which I love, that, you know what? Shohei Otani isn't the only two-way Japanese phenom. Like, we got that on the baseball side, but on the softball side, we have people like Yamato Fujita. So, by the way, also, the gold medal game for softball at the World Games was the largest crowd of any sport in the World Games competition. Pretty awesome. And then between that and just the great competition that we saw on the field... That game was a reminder of why softball should be in the Olympics every time. I'm looking at you, LA 2028. I think we can all agree on that. But in the meantime, another thing that we sort of teed up last week that has come to fruition now is the ESPYs. Last week, we talked about how Jocelyn Allo was nominated. The home run queen herself won the ESPY for best female college athlete. To us in the softball world, didn't even really feel like a question, right? Just like that kind of success that she has had transcends just softball. And the way you win in this situation is part of it's online fan voting. So I think, hey, softball community, we showed up, but also part of it's voting by just ESPN executives, on-air personalities, and sports writers, all of which apparently loved the aloe shots this past season as much as we did. And then in addition to that too, pretty cool, some OU seniors like Hope Troutwine, Taylor Snow, Grace Green, and Grace Lyons were all in LA representing the Sooners as well. And you know what? You'll love to see it. It's just awesome. And in addition to that, there are just the people in the background doing all the behind the scenes work that really elevate programs 
like OU and just college softball in general. I was super happy to see that recently Extra Inning Softball released awards for the best SIDs in college softball. And for those that don't know, SID means Sports Information Director, and it's essentially the communications leads for all the sports programs. And I will tell you this easily, they are the real MVPs. They do everything in terms of media and coverage of a team. It could be stats, social media, graphics, write-ups, tournament relations, game notes, PR, everything. And they are the ones who help broadcasters like me. That's how we get the info we need and the FaceTime that we need with coaches and players to make the shows great. That is through the SIDs. And you know what? Shows like this too. This podcast has benefited from those relationships as well. And I am just thrilled that they finally get some of the recognition that they deserve, especially in just a wild college softball landscape that we have right now. Of course, there's also the transfers. Now, it's (laughs) impossible to keep up with literally every single one. Although, you know what? Hey, some of these outlets like Extra Inning, D1 Softball, Softball America do track the transfers. So you can always look into more details there. But a couple of programs in particular I wanted to call out with just some big moves being made. So obviously there's the champs, OU. They got a big one with Sydney Sanders, the freshman of the year from ASU. She is going to Norman. And that's among other transfers that they've gotten too. So it really is a case of the rich get richer in this situation. But, you know, obviously OU, very attractive place for people right now. The in-conference shakeups as well with ASU has been interesting. I mean, first we saw Oregon's Brookianos going to UCLA, pretty crazy. But also Lindsay Lopez from ASU, who was a lefty that they really relied on in the circle, is going to UW. So that that's tough. At one point, ASU had lost its entire pitching staff to the transfer portal. And this is after head coach Trisha Ford left for Texas A&M. But now they're actually recovering and rebuilding. And I think it's worth calling out. For example, one of those pitchers who had went into the transfer portal was Marissa Schold. However, she's actually withdrawn from the portal and is going to be returning to the maroon and gold. Pretty big win. Seems to be hanging on to a pretty big recruit as well, which is Kylie McGee. She had already committed to ASU, but you know, everything's up in the air when big changes happen. So a lot of credit to new coach Bartlett for being able to keep her because she was a really, really big recruit just across the country, not just on the West Coast. Now, there's also been a couple of transfer pitchers from Ball State, Virginia Tech, and just some other transfers outside the circle, too. It's kind of been like transfer you, and it has been really historically. Even before this, there were a lot of transfers sort of in and out. But I think for for now, it's going to be really key for them in terms of rebuilding and reloading their program. Another big win was keeping assistant Jimmy Kalaitis on the staff. Very well-respected and well-known recruiter as well. And I think that stability maybe helps for some people either returning or people who have committed who stayed. It's a win for sure in this fast-moving landscape because, you know, Jeff Harger goes with Ford to A&M, but to keep Jimmy Kalaitis there was big. So I would say just with all this being said, keep an eye on them. You know, of course we're going to be keeping an eye on OU. That's that's no doubt. But I think keep an eye on them too. And the Sun Devils may, may surprise us or we might start getting more and more information. Just... The theme, though, really, college softball is wild right now. But I think we can all agree that we're really excited already for next season. And someone else who would agree with that is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is a woman of many hats, coach, business owner, podcast host, former NPF player, and three-time all-region Purdue softball alum, Ashley Burkhart. Ashley, we did it. We're here. We're doing it. We did it. We found a way. (laughs) Here we are. I love it. I'm so glad. And I know we were talking about this a little bit before we hopped on, but it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I've seen her content before online. I I've liked what she's put out. I feel like we'd get along. So I'm excited for us to actually get to chat and meet each other. Yes. I've seen you all over socials, interviewing other people, people that some, some guests I've had on the show. And I'm just like, wait, there's more I can learn about them. I just, I've learned a lot through your podcast, just listening. So I'm excited to be here. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. I know we have some mutual friends too, which is mm-hmm. awesome. And I, I don't know, I, I love it too. Whenever I see us former players, right. Who are still heavily involved in the game and really like still invested in the future and whatever way that is, it could be podcast, it could mm-hmm. be something else, but I just love seeing that. And I feel like there's that automatic connection when that's the case. Totally. Completely agree. Well, yay. I'm excited to have you. <laughs> 
I would say, I mean, let's start with the hard question, I guess, but I just would love to know how your relationship with softball started, because I feel like, you know, we all know we're young girls that fall in love with this game. So like, how did it start for you? Yeah. So I was the kid who played every sport you could imagine growing up. So when I fell in love with softball, I also fell in love with soccer and volleyball and basketball and all these other sports. Like I just loved just sports in general and playing in my backyard with my sisters. Um, probably the true love was like at that moment where my sisters and I would like put up a field in, in our front yard. So this is before athletes unlimited, obviously. And we kind of created our own rules, like, which is what they're doing. So I think we kind of invented our own game of softball in our front yard and it was our go-to and it was just a blast and a ball. And it was, it was fun times. And ever since I think I was seven, when I played baseball eight, when I started playing softball and then the rest is history. It's I played it every year until I retired and I was 25, 24, something like that. See, that's wild. Like women <laughs> retire at 24, 25, right? Which is like what we're, we're trying to change at the end of the day. But like that, totally. it's still really cool though, that in your career, you've played at every level. And when I say every level, I do mean like the rec ball part of it, like all the way through travel ball mm-hmm. to then pro and college and like all these things like that. It's you obviously have like an experience that is like throughout the whole softball world, which I always think is super cool. Yes. I've seen it all. I've had my dad as my coach. I've had great coaches. I've had coaches in other sports that weren't great. I've had the whole experience I feel like, and now I have two younger sisters kind of going through that too. So it's pretty wild to see, um, the growth of the game, even in that time too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're preaching to the choir there, but (laughs) from, from that time, right? Like now you're looking at your sisters do it, but when you were doing it, how do you think you got from just being that young girl who loved it to actually play at all of those other levels that you got to play at? Um, So the spark to play in college was a little bit later than I think girls are seeing now. Um, When I was young, my dad and I would sit and watch the women's college world series at like 11 PM on a school night. Um, I mean, I guess maybe we weren't in school anymore, but it was just late and (laughs) we would TiVo it. We'd watch Caitlin Lowe is like my idol. Mm. Um, And so I would sit and watch her and Natasha just, kick butt on the left side of the box. And that was around the time I was like moving to the left side as a hitter. So just seeing them kind of just play the short game and also play the long game, like all from the left side and steal bases and dive for balls. Like, I think that's kind of where like the spark was there. And it was, and it was younger for me when I was like, these girls are amazing. How cool would it be to be them one day? But the true seeing it in my eyes to be able to play college wasn't until like maybe freshman going into my sophomore year of high school. Um, I was still playing basketball at the time, AAU basketball, like still playing travel there. Um, and the spark kind of just started when I saw a girl on my high school team commit to play in college. And I was like, she's better than me for sure, but not that much better. Um, and I think if I tried hard enough, I could go play, um, maybe at like a Notre Dame, which is local for me. Um, so that was kind of where that was the goal, like go play at Notre Dame. Like, let's see how I can get there. I went to all these camps. I went to, Um, I started playing for a better travel team at that point in time so I can get exposed and just the, the rest is kind of history because, um, in pursuit of Notre Dame is kind of where I was able to see how good I could be. And then all these other schools started popping up and then Purdue came in the picture and it was game over. So that's kind of a short, short version of the journey for me. Well, and I think that's important though, to call out because sometimes, we have a certain goal in mind or a certain thing in mind that we're trying to pursue, but then whatever was meant for us actually happens, even if it's different than that. And I think it's so Mm -hmm. important because it's like, it's such a weird balance, right. To try to stay focused on our goal that we want to accomplish, but then also being like open-minded enough to see that, Hey, actually this other thing I think is a better fit and like what I really want to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Without Notre Dame as the goal, I would have never been able to pursue any other school, in my opinion, that was a D1 caliber then could lead me to pro. Like, that's just crazy to think about. Yeah. Well, I also think it's cool because you ended up coaching at Notre Dame for a little bit. I know full circle. That was crazy. That Hmm. happens too, though, that it like, it's like we talk about things. I feel like sometimes we're like, the game knows, you know what I mean? I think the game knows about stuff like that, but then other times we're like, the game doesn't know how old you are. The game doesn't know this, you know, it's like the game is very like selective, you know, (laughs) totally. I know 
it, it was so unreal when that, when that call came, cause it was kind of like, whoa, like, and I didn't even realize it at the time I like get there and I'm like, oh yeah, I dreamt of playing here. This is wild. Yeah. And now I'm coaching. That's <laughs> so unreal. cool. It's so, so the cool. game new, the game new <laughs> that gosh, it just, it like knows us better than we know ourselves. That's for sure. hundred percent. I think that's why I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But okay. So then when you make the decision to, to go to Purdue, why, you know, it's like, what was it about that opportunity that felt right? Yeah. So the recruiting process for me was a little different than some, even my middle sister went through it a lot differently. Um, being the firstborn, we didn't really know what to do or how to do it. Um, so I was very open to any sort of, any sort of schools that were interested in me. And to be honest, there weren't that many, um, compared to what girls are getting now. And, and I was, I was one of the top players in Indiana, but, um, it's safe to say that I really wasn't like that good yet. You know, I, I was the player who always started out. Okay. But then like built herself into something bigger and better by the time she's done. Um, so I probably peaked a little later than most. And so my, my offers were local. And so it was one of those where I went to certain schools, a couple big 10 schools, a couple not. And I know everybody says this, it's cliche, but as soon as I got to Purdue, I was around a leadership advisor that had me in for a meeting for 30 minutes. And I'm like, can I stay longer? This is amazing. I would love to learn more about leadership. I'd love to learn these John Wooden pillars, like all of the things that he teaches because he went to Purdue. Most people think of him as UCLA guy, but he went to Purdue first. And now the foundation of leadership that they're building there. And um, this mentor that I got to have, as soon as I stepped on campus, they, I was in the, in meetings with them and I'm like, this is it. Like, this is where I think I can thrive. And yes, of course, I love the coach at the time and the girls at the time, but it was just being on campus, being around um, high level athletes and just amazing people. And the legacy of Purdue was just like, I went there and it was kind of game over. And I had, I had seen other schools and been interested in other schools, but it just felt right. And I had to go with my gut. Yeah. Well, that's the part that we always say, right? Like, oh, we should go with our gut or go with your instinct mm-hmm. or whatever. But sometimes it's like, if you haven't truly felt that feeling that you're talking about, you're like, okay, but I don't know if I'm doing it. Like, how do I do that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's, it mm-hmm. is one of those, like, when you know, you know, type of things. And it's hard to explain. Yeah. And, and I will say like, my dad was really good in this process and telling me like, Hey, put a pros and cons for every school. And it's not like you go with the ones with the most pros, but like, I think seeing what every school provided and what I wanted, it just aligned the most there. And it just made the most sense. And I was two hours from home. So far enough away, but also close enough to home too. I was the same. I mean, a little bit further away. I was like a six hour drive or whatever from Southern California, Mm -hmm. where I'm from to Stanford. But I, I also think that's a good balance, right? Cause it's like, okay, your parents can come to games like that. That's not like this huge trek. It's doable, but you're also like on your own, becoming your own person, having that independence too. I've always been a big fan of like that balance, depending on what you need as a person, of course. But yeah, that was huge for me. Independence. What is this figuring it out? Like I needed that. So it (laughs) it was perfect. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really important. But okay, you hit on something too that I can relate to, which is like the peaking later piece. Mm. I definitely, that was my story in college was, was definitely peaking later. Now, I mean, this is a little bit loaded, but we see so much movement with the transfer portal and things like that. And, you know, everyone has to make a decision for themselves, of course, but how did it help you, I guess, to just kind of stay and see it through, if that makes sense versus making a move or why was that the right choice for you? Yeah. I think all the things that I mentioned that made me so attracted to Purdue had nothing to do with softball. I mean, Mm. I don't want to say all of them, but the ones that I emphasized were apart from that. And I actually had my head coach leave. Um, she left after my second year. So a lot of people, their coaches leave, they leave. Um, and I will be completely honest with you. I never had that in my thought or in my brain. Um, I think transfer portal was a little different. Like you maybe had to sit a year if you transferred within conference, Uh, I think that was the thing, but again, I literally did not even want to leave. Um, I don't think really anybody from my team left either, um, at that time, but 
maybe it was just different times, but there was no part of me that was starting to build myself at Purdue and ending it there right away. Like, and again, after my sophomore year, it was a good year for me. Like sure. All regions. Great. But like, I was always the one that was like hungry for more. And if I, if I have to start over at a different school, um, I probably, you know, everybody sees me as a super bubbly person, but it takes a while for me to like get to know people. And that just, I couldn't even imagine if I was walking into another, another program and trying to like re-identify myself and get seen and prove myself. I'm like, no, I'm doing it here. I'm staying here. Um, and I'm really glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not, not to take away either from people who do make those choices. It's more just yeah. like, it's about what's best for you. Right. So like in this case, totally, it's just what was best for you, which like makes sense, you know? And I think that's the mm-hmm. part that, um, either people in college or people just looking to go to college should remember. So I always mm-hmm. think that part of the story is important. Yeah. And, and Purdue was like it for me. Like I, I had no sites to go anywhere else and it might not be for everyone to, to do that, but I loved as well. When we were finding a new coach, I got to be a part of that process. Like I was in the interviews with potential coaches that were going to come and I, and my voice mattered there. And I yeah. think if my, if, my voice mattered somewhere. Why would I, why would I leave it? You know, Mm -hmm. like, so I think that's, that's a huge reason why I stayed as well. Yeah. It makes total sense. And then when you decide to move on and continue your career in the pro ranks, I don't know what, it sounds like you were hungry for more, like you said, but what was, was the guy, like the driving factor where you're like, I want to play pro softball. Um, funny story. that wasn't a driving factor for me. Um, it was not something that I dreamed of as a kid. I honestly didn't really know much about it. I didn't even think that was in the cards for me. I mean, my team had never been to a regional. Um, and that's like one thing that like I struggled with in pro that's a little bit deeper. Um, but I, I didn't know that that would be in the cards for me whatsoever. But I think the, just the fact that like you and I, you were saying we're the same, like we peaked our senior year, basically because we just kept striving for more, kept striving for more. And it was a lights out season season for me. I was hitting 400 going into the big 10. Um, I was feeling my best at that time. And for some reason, somebody asked my coach, like, Hey, do you think she would want to play? And the day before the draft, I was told that I asked if I wanted to like be potentially chosen. Um, so it wasn't in the cards for me. It was like, here's an opportunity. And I'm like, I totally have an internship set up for the summer, but like, if I get chosen, screw that internship, like I'm going to play, I'll figure it out. Um, and then I ended up getting drafted the next day after a ruthless game against ball state where we won by a run. It was insane. Completely forgot there was a draft happening. Um, and then after the game, I'm going a little bit into this story, but it's just one of my favorites to tell. I love Um, it. I saw my dad in the stands and after a win or any game, we always sing the fight song to our fans. And of course they make eye contact with my dad. And then he's like screaming with his hands like this. He's like, you were drafted 15th. And he was just like yelling it at me. And then all of a sudden I forgot the fight song and I'm just looking around like, like I wish there was video of this. Um, but I was in total shock, completely started crying. Um, just didn't, didn't realize that that was something that I was capable of. And I know some people dream of this and they fall short of it sometimes, but like, I think not having it as a dream allowed me to like, just be as good as I could now. And then I was seen, um, to be drafted. So that's what I keep preaching to my players. Like the goal is great, but like, if you just strive to be better every single day, you'll, you'll be surprised with what you end up with. Yes. Like it, it will fall into place. It's Mm -hmm. so hard for us to believe that when we're like pre that moment though. Right. Like leading up to that, you're like, oh my gosh, but I, everyone keeps saying it'll work out, but like, will it work out? You know what I mean? But I love that story. And I love the fact that you forgot about the draft. I actually think that (laughs) is a great example of what you're talking about. Cause you're like, I was just focused on doing this in front of me. Right. And like my team and focus, like you had the right priorities basically. And then you have that moment afterwards and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like, but I, I think to your point, it's like, if you were the type of player that you were thinking about the draft, the whole game, like maybe you don't get drafted. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I would have sucked that game. And I, that was like one of the most fun games I've ever played in. Like yeah. <laughs> simply forgetting about it, but yeah, you're so true. Like it's so right. Like, I don't think, um, worrying about the future ever helps us in the present. So yeah. Good point. 
Gosh, that's a lot easier said than done for sure. But <laughs> totally, but it's true. I agree to your mm-hmm. point. <laughs> okay. Well then, so fast forward to now and everything that you're doing, um, actually like feel free, give us an overview, like a quick summary of like what your business is with Ashley Burkhart training. Um, no such thing as quick with this thing. Cause I have, like you said, so many hats. Um, it's, it's crazy. I probably shouldn't have decided to do all of these things at once. Um, I'm kind of insane. Um, but after my professional career, I started just getting into lessons because I mean, what else does a softball player do after playing? Like, um, I had a huge passion for working with youth athletes. Um, I learned that when I was working camps at Purdue, I loved camps even in pro, we did a few camps and I'm like, these bring me so much joy. I love, I love being in the shoes of, first of all, girls who, who want to play at a high level. Um, and I love having girls look up to this and like, and I really kind of wanted to just give back at first. So I just started giving lessons to kids locally and, uh, probably was doing too much of those, to be honest. Um, I was doing like four nights a week for like five hours. Don't recommend, um, you know, being young, you can kind of do that. But after that first year of really diving deep into lessons, I kind of just thought, you know, one thing that I did growing up was I didn't really have a great hitting coach close by to me in high school. Um, And my dad and I would drive two hours to and from my lessons every week. And then all of a sudden I got a car and I was driving myself and I was going with a friend and it was, it was a lot of time and money and investment in this. And I was thinking just all of a sudden one day, like, what if there's kids that like don't have access to a great hitting coach where they live or, um, they don't, or they just want to have a mentor that like helps guide them through this game. And so I started online training, um, in 2019. And so it was basically online training was, Hey, send me your swing. I'll give you some drills to do. And we'll chat like every other week. Like that's all it was. Um, but it was something. And then I started having some athletes, you know, I was traveling with the package deal straight out of playing pro as well. So I was getting to know like different areas with different athletes, making connections. And a lot of those kids, they signed up for virtual training. And I'm like, I love this. This is fun. Um, and now being 2022 every year, kind of just like my playing career. Now that I'm thinking about this, it's like, it's gotten bigger and better. Um, more athletes are in, which is great, but also the experience is it's way more than that. Now it's like a bunch of mental game training, um, videos that you can watch bunch of hitting drills. Of course. I mean, who doesn't love a good hitting drill to help you mash? Like, um, Obviously. yeah. Also opportunities for us to work one-on-one. Like it would be like, if you were my lesson, like you'd be hitting from your backyard and I'd be right here instructing you and teaching you and showing you things. Um, so there's one-on-one aspect. So that's kind of like where virtual kind of took it. My lessons, I still have girls that I work with locally, just a lot less of them. Um, And a lot of them are, they really do want to play at a high level. And I think I love the kids that I work with. Some of them I've been working with since the very beginning, which I think it's cool to see their journey and how much closer they are to that goal that they have for themselves. Um, But that's the, that's the softball aspect. Um, You know, the physical stuff, the hitting part and mental skills. Um, And then in crazy 2020, you know, did some crazy things for some of us. I, uh, I was super into listening to podcasts, like entrepreneurial podcasts and baseball podcasts. Uh, I just love learning and I love doing it from podcasts. And then I thought to myself, you know, I want to create a softball podcast for like athletes to athletes and parents and coaches to know what to do outside of games. Mm-hmm. Because I think about like what led to me being good at softball. It wasn't what was on the field on the field was fun. It was just, you, you grab your bat and you just hit it. Like it was just simple. Um, at least when I was doing well, you know, everybody has moments where they're like, it's super complicated. Um, but I think what got me to where I got was the training that I would do with my dad outside of the white lines and the coaches that I had, the conversations we were having in the car, um, and all of these different X, Y, Z's that I thought I had a lot to share. Um, and I was like, I want to start a podcast called when the cleats come off. Not everybody thinks it's like, Oh, when you're out of retirement. No, 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 no. This is when the cleats come off after a game, what are you doing to get better? Um, and, and I try to guide conversations for parents to have with their athletes, um, coaches, like how can they communicate better and build relationships with their athletes? And then of course, a bunch of athletes join because I have interviews with like Sue Inquest, Monica Abbott, Kat Osterman, like their role models, um, to learn from. And I think 
I just love sharing stories from other athletes or coaches who have done it. Um, because I think there's a lot you can learn from a story. Um, just like, like literally the pinch me moment was interviewing Caitlin Lowe and learning that her story and my story were so similar. Like our dads were like identical when it came to how they coached us. And I was like, this is so cool. Um, but I think there's just, I think it just grows the game. It grows the love of the game. And I just want to keep it fun, you know? So I try to do that with all of the different elements of Ashley Burkhart training. Um, I didn't even mention the fact that I travel and do clinics too, but like too many hats, too many hats, girlfriend. Like what am I doing? But all amazing hats, right? Like that. I mean, it's yes, it's, it's a lot for sure, but I think it's Mm -hmm. awesome because that also means that it's, it's the impact is a lot as well, but see, I, this is an added to the list of reasons I knew we would get along because same type of experience with the whole podcast situation. Um, like I had a pinch me moment when I first interviewed Natasha Watley and I was Mm -hmm. just like, Whoa, like we're like kind of friends now, like what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, this is not, I would have never imagined this. And so like, when you mentioned that with Caitlin Lowe, I'm like, yep, I a hundred percent understand what you're saying. And like the story part, like you said, it's like, this is, and you almost like feel like there's so many relatable parts. So it's like, I feel like sometimes like when I'm talking to you guys, like the guests, I'm like learning so much. I like forget that it's even a podcast, you know, I'm like, (laughs) Oh, that's that's the best part. Right. It's the best part. Exactly. And so I love that you've like added that element to everything that you're doing with the actual training piece. Yeah. And and, uh, around the getting to know people that you never thought you'd ever talk to, like it's almost, and I've experienced this as a podcaster. I'm asked, I'm going to ask you this question. When you have a huge interview, like the Natasha Watley interview, like was my Caitlin Lowe, were you like, did you feel like it was game day again where you had the butterflies and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is really important and I better show up. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes. It's, it's literally game day all over again for us. Like that's yes. what it is. And I love yes. it. We've created our game within the game. <laughs> well, and and that's like that's the thing that we're all searching for, even when we're done playing, right? Like, how can we kind of replicate what we, that part of it, which we loved so much when we played? Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to find like what that is for you afterwards but then when you do you're like yes this is a game all over again like this is what I want I'm not playing anymore but like I can kind of find a way to still sort of feel like I am you know yep yep and just like the more interviews you get in the easier it is like that's softball the more reps you put in the better you get like I was just just gonna say reps I love I love that we get to enjoy this together that's awesome (laughs) me too this is amazing Uh, I love this so much and, and I, th- like I said, I think it's cool that you're adding that to the training part. Cause I, I think I might've seen on your website too. Cause it's funny. Cause I, I just interviewed Rhonda Ravel recently and she, mm, I would yeah. like, br- I would bring up things that like, oh yeah, I read this or I saw this. And she's like, are you stalking me? And like, kind of, you know, that's what you <laughs> like, have to do. Yeah. I'm yeah. prepping like I would prep for a game, you know, but anyway, I think I saw on your website that you were talking about how you wish like that there were podcasts like this and yours that you could listen to with your dad, like when you were growing up. Right. And like adding that Mm -hmm. element to it. And it's another cool, we talk about all the like technological advances with the bats and like everything else. And it's like, but that, that stuff too, in terms of like what we're consuming and like kind of taking in as especially the young players, like that's a cool advancement too. Yeah. My dad and I used to watch YouTube videos all the time. Ironically, it was Sue Inquist teaching a drill and Natasha Wiley was the one hitting like crazy stuff. Um, but like, that's how my dad and I would learn. Like we would sit there for hours and just watch YouTube videos. My mom probably thought we were nuts. Um, but same thing, like one of my proudest, uh, compliments was ever, was just a dad saying, yeah, my daughter and I, we listen to you on our way to every tournament. And like, and there are some episodes that she'll play like again, because it just hits her, you know, like it, it helps motivate her. And I'm like, I mean, it's like the side effects of living into something. I think I truly believe in and have a purpose for Like, I love it so much. Yes. Yes. I love that. I really, really do. Because I think I I can relate to the dad part too. Like the, the softball dad, I saw that you did like those episodes as well with like your dad, where it's like, this is what Mm -hmm. it's like to be a softball dad. Like I did the same thing and it's, it really is a special relationship. And I've noticed that you do focus on like that parent aspect. Like you said, it's not just for the athletes. Of course it's for them, but it's also like the parents and even coaches to kind of get involved, which I think is also important 
And I could guess, but I would love to just hear from you, like why that parent audience was out of focus. Yeah. So when I was giving lessons early on, people were like, oh my gosh, like your younger sister, she's playing college softball and your other younger sister is going to play college volleyball. Like, how did your parents do this? And I was like, let's spill the tea. Like, let's just say like all the things, um, which I will say my dad's interview is one of my most terrifying personally. Um, I thought it went great. My dad also was like, I didn't like it at first. He was like, I don't, I didn't like it. I want to take out this part. I want to take out this part. And I kept like telling him, I'm like, dad, no, like it was like a vulnerable part. Like I get that, but like, that's what people need to hear. Like, that's the stuff where, when like you were saying how hard on me that you were and how you kind of soft, I don't want to say softened up, but softened up a little for my two younger sisters. Like you had to learn that. And I think some parents are in the thick of it right now. They're going through it. Um, I might just need to make him like a permanent guest on the show, um, just sharing some of our experiences, but it's the conversations that make people uncomfortable, but like help expand and help people like realize there's more out there. I think that, that it's not just relatable, but it's also like, uh, motivational as well. Like just seeing what else is out there and, and just also feeling like, oh, I'm not alone. I think, and I know I'm not a parent. I'm not a parent at all. Like I have a dog, like I'm figuring things out there, but there's a lot of things that I'll ask my dad, like, Hey, what was this experience? Like, I know there's a family I'm working with. They're going through this right now. Like, what would be your advice? And sometimes I just sit down and I talk to him about it. And then that's what I record in a solo episode. Like, I think just conversations that aren't being had, but encouraging parents to do and have those conversations, same thing with coaches to help just build a relationship because parents and athletes are supposed to be a team. (laughs) And I think that's forgotten. Like I would have not gotten anywhere that I wanted to, if my parents weren't part of my team to help me get to where I wanted to go. And I just want them to like, enjoy this process together more. So I think that's the reason. I love that. And I think we really are soul sisters, by the way, because I've had (laughs) like similar conversations with my dad too. And and we've even had, you know, like off podcast conversations where Mm -hmm. he's even like, kind of been like, you know, like I've learned a lot from how hard he was on me too. Like same thing. Um, I didn't have younger siblings. I had an older sibling, but like, he was like, I was the first one to do sports at this kind of level. So it was still a learning Mm -hmm. process, you know? And, and he's even like, you know, opened up, like even apologized or like, like recognized certain things. And I was like, wow, that's like, it's, it's interesting how your relationship with your parents also, like you have that certain relationship when you're growing up, but it evolves as you get older too. And you're like, oh, wow. Like it's not a, just a child parent relationship. Now it's like, we're actually both adults. We obviously still have that dynamic, but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's like, we talked about with like your career and my career where it's like, we just kind of get better and better as we go. I don't know. Yeah. I, and that's the thing I learned too later on at 25 was like, oh, my dad was just trying to figure it out too. Like totally. the mistakes that he made were t- genuine mistakes. Like he ch- was trying to do his best. And I think um, that's just what people need to to remember in the long yes. run. Normalizing that. That's the other mm-hmm. thing too. When we, when we become adults, we realize like, oh my gosh, cause you think that your parents are perfect. Right. And you're like, whoa, they were humans. And now it's like, by, by my age, my parents already had me. I, I was like, you know, like a few years old yeah. at this point. And I'm like, oh, oh same. wow. Like could, mm-hmm. trying to imagine that. Right. And I'm like, wow. I, you start to be like, wow, I, I really respect everything that you guys did, you know, because yeah. it's, it's hard to imagine, but yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I'm really glad you have that angle with the content. Yeah. Thank you. And I know you have so many guests. So if you're thinking of a perfect guest, I'm always looking for more people, um, that you think can, can help parents and coaches that way. That's, that's always top of mind in the, in the middle of interviews is like, how can we just talk about the thing that some people have questions about, um, that maybe they haven't had the courage to ask or haven't had the opportunity to ask. Um, yeah, sometimes, I probably make my guests uncomfortable too. Hopefully I don't scare anybody coming on the show, but I'm like, I ask questions that they probably haven't been asked before. Um, but that's, that's what I try to do, (laughs) but that's good. Right. It's like, we, how many other interviews exist where they're asked the same things over and over. And like once in a while, it's like, how could you not ask a certain question to a certain person? Right. right? But for the most part, we want to hear like beyond that stuff, you know? And so I'm with you. Yeah. Like I want to get to know how Caitlin Lowe obviously decided she wanted to play softball, but like when she talks about the fact that she plays other sports, can we talk about that? Like, can we talk about what those sports taught you? Because 
I don't know. That's just you and I are a lot alike. Like I can totally tell <laughs> by your interviews and mine. So this is really fun. Agree. This is great. This is really great. We'll have to obviously do this again at some point. Um, I'm in. Yes. Yes. Well, and, and the other part that I love about your interviews too, uh, well, first of all, the emphasis on the mental part, huge, but specifically you talk a lot about like confidence. <laughs> and I think that is huge. And if, if we're as alike as I think we are, that was something that also built up for me, like over my career, which I could imagine was maybe similar with you, but what, um, I don't know, what about confidence is so central to everything that you're doing? Um, I will say, I I truly believe like a kid that learns how to walk, like they have the most confidence over anybody. Like they don't stop, right. They're not given like the red flag. Oh, you should stop getting up because you're going to fall. No. Like I think we have, we were born with it. I actually did like a paper on this when I was younger, like we're born with confidence and somehow we lose it. And I was pretty lucky. Um, like when I was seven, I was playing with all these boys in my neighborhood, not a single girl played except for me. And they totally picked on me and tried to make me lose all the time. And I was, and I think that made me so tough and like, try to prove like, Hey, no, like I can keep up. Let's go. Like I'll fall over. I'm going to get up. So I think I had a lot of confidence then. And I tried to keep that. And I was around people. Like my parents were super supportive. Like when I had a tough game, like, yeah, we were going to talk about the good, but like, we were going to talk about how to get better. And I think just putting in the reps, doing the preparation, that's what builds confidence. Um, and my confidence is truly tested when I was playing pro softball. When I told you, I was like, do I even like deserve to be here? Like all these other like teammates of mine played in the women's college world series, won a women's college world series. Like what is my identity here? And I, and I lost it for a bit. And I think me getting back to that confidence aspect, like here's the long story turned short. We were playing team USA and as a non-starter, we were, um, playing USA and it wasn't like a, like a game that counted. So I got to start (laughs) and I was like, okay, Kehlani Ricketts is on the mound. Like the entire team USA lineup is out there. Um, and then I literally went internal and I'm like, wait, Ashley, your best college games were against the UCLA's and the Arizona's and all of these teams that you would think, and you created the narrative, like, oh yeah, they think they're going to walk all over you and you show up different when you do that. So I literally played that entire game again in my head. And I said, okay, team USA, they think they're going to pound me right now. Okay. Watch out. Because then I went back to that confident self that I had when I was in college playing against the best schools and doing well against them. And that's when I flipped the narrative and my confidence was back. And then the rest of the season was way better than the first year and a half playing pro. Um, But I think that's why I centralized confidence. It's because it's not going to come from anybody else except yourself. And I had to learn that the hard way. And some kids are learning that at a younger age. Um, but I don't care how old you are. You're going to struggle with confidence at some point in your life. And I want to just leave it, um, and leave it all out there when it comes to like how you can get better at it. Yes. Yes. To all of it, literally. And the part that you mentioned was the narratives that we create. Oh my gosh. The amount of, like, I should have been like a novelist or like some, like some sort of writer with the amount of narratives that I created in my head, right? Like during college. And it's, it's so hard to realize that in the moment, but then afterwards we're like, wow, okay, we see how we got through it and we know what we're doing now, but it is so, so important because you're always trying to walk that line too, of like being humble, but still being confident. And you're trying to figure out what that even looks like. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. It's a, it's a tough road to navigate. Um, but I always talk about it because there's always something that can hinder our confidence. The fact that you talk about it is, I think, something that is much, much needed. And sometimes we're like afraid to talk about confidence because by talking about confidence, we automatically kind of imply that we're not confident, you know, and then sure. sometimes it like makes it harder for us to get confident. Like it's this weird cycle. So I think it's important that you talk about that stuff because- we need it. We all need it. Yeah. I think, especially for the athlete and even myself, when I'm scrolling social media, like comparison is everywhere and it's more here than it was when we were playing. Like, frankly, there wasn't social media like this, um, to compare yourself to other people on. Um, I think navigating this road is something that I'm, I'm needing to learn more about as well, because 
Um, I didn't really struggle a whole lot with confidence. Like I said, before I played pro, um, strictly because I was around the right system of people that supported me. And I was also encouraged, like when I had people that were saying awful things about me behind my back and stuff, um, to just get rid of those people. Like, you know, and it was one of those things where that's how I did it, but I'm also trying to figure out ways to help athletes, like figure out how can they build their own confidence. And I like to use a lot of strategies that my sports psychologist, who I'm great friends with, who I've had on my podcast, Dr. Caron, um, strictly talking about, um, journaling and visualization and just, you know, frankly, putting in repetitions on your mental game. Um, that's just kind of how it is. Like we put in the reps on our physical game all the time. Um, but if we can figure out a way to train and work on both of the aspects of mental game and physical game, that's where you're going to end up being on top and being the most confident version of you on the field. Um, so trying to navigate those waters is a mission of mine and I'm still learning how to be better at it. Oh yeah. I don't know if it ever stops, you know, like I even catch myself now when I'm like calling games or if I'm doing a podcast with someone like who has all the accolades or whatever it is where I'm like, wait, but why would they want to talk to me? And then you have to kind of flip that narrative. Like you were saying before, it's like, but why wouldn't they want to talk to me? You know, like Mm -hmm. they, they love the game. I love the game. Why not? You know what I mean? And so it's, yeah, I just feel like it's funny how much we learn from the, our conversations that we're having with people to get, to help other people learn. But then all of a sudden we're the ones learning. Yeah. And I think being curious is a huge aspect of it. Like being curious and asking questions doesn't mean that you don't know everything. Um, actually it does because nobody knows everything, but it truly does mean like you're willing to keep growing and learning. And I think, um, confidence was a big issue as far as I saw during COVID Mm. strictly because we didn't have the sport and the people and the game that was challenging us to help build our confidence, like around, it wasn't there. Like our, our whole lives were turned upside down. And even I struggled with confidence because I was like, dude, I'm not competing anymore. Like I, I mean, I have my own version of competing now, but like these athletes, they don't have a place to have a challenge. And so that's where I think, um, my virtual training kind of kicked off a lot during COVID, especially because I created these, um, hitting academies where we just would hit together. Girls from all over the country would hit together. We'd end with a challenge. We'd have one winner. And it was like, come back next week. Like, let's find Let's find another challenge. And I think that was a, a huge motivating factor that helped athletes develop more confidence again, when it was kind of stripped from them by being stuck at home and only being exposed to our phones and video games. Right. Right. So what, what is the like go-to messaging that you use with your athletes around confidence? Um, I mean, I grew up always caring about what other people thought of me. Um, and so of course we have to like, not care what other people think of us and really care about ourselves, but truly I think just telling athletes that the confidence that they want is already in them. They just have to be willing to accept the fact that, um, you're going to have to be yourself in order to find it. And I think a lot of girls are trying to be something that they're not. And that's, that's why that there's no confidence in them because they're trying to be someone else. They're trying to be this big power hitter when they're actually gifted with a lot of speed and can be epic on the bases. And all, all they need is just to get on base. Like they need to know what their strengths are. And I think my messaging is just, Hey, what's your biggest strength? And if you can't find it, I'm, I'm here to try to help you find it so that we can lean into our strengths because our best selves on the field is our most confident selves on the field. And our most confident selves on the field comes from knowing what you want and doing whatever it takes to get there and leaning into your strengths. So I think that's some of my go-tos and I know it's hard to figure it out. And a lot of kids I meet, they don't know what they're good at. They know all the things that they're bad at, which is why they're lacking confidence, but helping them find things that they're great at and leaning into that is super important to me. I think you're right. That's, that's going to get you further every time than if you don't do it. I mean, and I know you said like, even when you were, you went pro and you were like, wow, like, look at all these people around me. But then if you think about it, it's like, you made it there too, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, and then I think about people, like I'll see Morgan Zirkle who plays for athletes unlimited. Right. And she went to Marshall and like, she, I've seen her tweets recently where she's like, you know, I never played in the Colorado tournaments growing up and I'm a pro softball player, you know, or like, Mm -hmm. Hey, like I, I did a different path, but those types of people and players don't get to where they 
got without being themselves. Because if they try mm-hmm. to be somebody else, like there's no way. Right. And I think that goes for anyone. It doesn't matter if you're at UCLA uh, and then you, you think it's like a pipeline to pro pro softball. It doesn't matter, you know? Mm-mm. No, no. And I did realize that after I had played pro, um, yeah. realizing that, yes, I absolutely did deserve to be there. You know, yes. like my, my strengths were my own strengths and they were different than a lot of other people's strengths. And as long as I leaned into those, which I did towards the end of my career, that's when I found my passion again. That's when I started thriving on the field. And I just want athletes to figure out how to thrive, um, and be the athlete that they dreamt to be. Yes. Oh my gosh. What a good, I mean, I don't know how we go on from there because that's it right mm-hmm. there, but but we'll try. Well, I mean, like I said before, we'll have to have you back on at some point because I think this was just so fun. It's been awesome just to like get to know you too. Like I said, just chat with you because I think we have a lot in common and and think about a lot of things the same way, but I'm also learning stuff too, which is like the best combination. I love that. Those are my favorite interviews. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where I'm learning and I'm like, I don't want it to end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But before we do end, I'll play a game with you that I play with everybody, which is called safer out. And basically it's, I'll bring something up. And if you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. If not, then you call it out. All right. got to go with my gut here. Yeah. So th- this is, we talked about ways where we can like still kind of feel like we're playing. Here we go. This is an example. Yep. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> okay. So first one is super conferences, safe or out. Safe. Cause we have no choice. True. Safe. <laughs> We don't have a choice. I mean, tell me, I would love to know, obviously that's the point, what you think, but for me, I'm like, yeah, it's change, you know? And like, that's hard. Change is hard. Like I love the regional stuff that we've had, but at the same time we've had change before. And the only thing certain is that there will be more change. So yeah, I think from a big 10 perspective, cause here I am a former big 10 player. I think all together holistically at first, it's going to be a little wild, Um, but I think the people who adapt to change the best are going to see this as a benefit. So that's why I went with safe just because from a softball aspect, like, sure, this might, this might hurt UCLA who knows, um, at first, but I think altogether the big 10 conference is going to get better. So yeah, it's kind of weird edgy waters, but yeah, we just start off with a hard one. Nice. (laughs) Hey, but you were decisive. I liked it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to go with my gut. Yeah, exactly. We talked about it. It's <laughs> it's in practice now. <laughs> okay. Second one is NIL. Safe or out? Out. Mm, okay. Decisive about that one too. What about it makes it out? I don't like how it's really messing with people's... I, we talked about comparison. Right. Like I... It's, I think a lot of athletes that aren't getting these deals are like, oh my gosh, like what, what can I do? And honestly, personally, that's not the first reason why I set out. I set out strictly because it takes away from the college experience. I think we're starting to like get into a professional experience when college should be college to prepare us for pro or for after college. Um, I totally get it. Some people have situations where like they need to make money somehow. And I think there could have been rules bent within the system, but there were already so many rules and, it was, there's too many rules. Like, let's be real. So I was, I wish that it could have been done a little bit differently because I think it's going to kind of ruin the game a little bit personally in the long run. It's one of those things where like, it has to be done right, but that's really hard to do. So Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And my, my husband, um, he was a college golfer and we were both representatives for the big 10 and he actually got to represent the big 10 in the NCAA level. And he he was in on a lot of those deep conversations. And I mean, I'm not saying I'm against it because he was against it, but some of the things that he shared with me, it's like, it's yeah. Like players like Jocelyn Hello can lean into that and they can make a ton of money, but like it kind of the richer get richer, the poorer get poorer in our kind of opinion. So it's, it's kind of tough to watch. I love seeing athletes be able to thrive with this, but I feel like there's, there's, there's probably another way to do it. And this one's kind of going to get the extremes. So I'm a little nervous about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Especially if you have that like Intel, you know, <laughs> it's more than most a little bit. Have. I mean, that was like five years ago. So what do we know? But true. Yeah. It's but interesting. It is. It is. Okay. Okay. One safe one out so far. Last one is bat flips safer out. <laughs> Dang it. 
I've never done a backflip in my life. So I should say out. I'm going to say out. (laughs) Okay. I (laughs) have never done one either, but it's just a, it's more part of the game. Like I, I don't even remember it happening. Like when I played ever either really like playing against anybody or anything like that. I don't remember that happening, but it's happening now clearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where I've hit home runs that like I could have easily pipped, like easily just like (laughs) through the bat, but like, I don't know. It just, it's not the game I was taught to play. And so, um, and I know everything's changing, but I don't know. I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with people who do it though. Like Sam shall do your thing. Like if that's how you play the game, that's how you play the game. It just wasn't how I played the game. That's all. Right. Right. I can, I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we, we survived safer out. We did it. <laughs> we did it. I was a little nervous about that. Only yeah. three. Okay. Yeah, like that. You're good. Just yeah, an good. inning, you know, just one inning. And that, that's it. <laughs> but thank you again. Seriously. This was super fun. I, I had a feeling I was pretty sure it would be right, but it, it's really nice that we actually got to do it. And um, I'm excited like for us to keep in touch more, just like as things go along and to see everything that you're doing. Yes. Keep doing what you're doing. Cause I love, I love learning from the interviews that you have. Um, cause it's definitely growing the game. So big fan of you. Thank you. I appreciate I mean, right back at you, right back at your sister. <laughs> Are you sure you're not from the Midwest? Because we just go back and forth with compliments. That's totally a thing. You know, maybe <laughs> secretly, maybe secretly, you know, maybe my heart's more Midwest than SoCal. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. No, this has been a blast. Thanks for having me on. For me, it's really great to chat with just a like-minded person like Ashley and to support each other in a way you know, in this forum. I think it's pretty cool. I love hearing from people who think differently from me, but sometimes it's also really cool and almost validating and comforting to know that, hey, some people look at look at this game or, or the world or whatever it is kind of like me. And she also had some great stories and insights that I hope you gain too. So with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about managing up. This is a term and kind of a concept that I learned once I started my career after college, like in the real world, in the working world. And here's what it means. So in a job, your boss is your manager, right? They're the authority that you report to and that you're accountable to. But this is also a mutual relationship. Like anything between two people is mutual. It's not just a dictatorship. So because of that, you actually end up managing them too, in a way, which actually has a lot to do with communication. We've, of course, all heard that communication is key in life, but the thing is, is whether it's your boss, your coach, your parent, any quote-unquote superior in your life, a huge part of their job is actually to help set you up for success. But they can't do that effectively if they don't know what's going on with you or if you don't give them any feedback. That's where the communication comes in. And frankly, I've been reminding myself of this in my job right now and recently because this really never stops in life. It's not just something when you're young. Like This continues on throughout your entire life. And the way to help others help you is to communicate with them because no one is a mind reader. And from what I've seen, the most successful players and just people are really good at this. So that's it. Manage up. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com, and you can watch the videos on YouTube too. Subscribe, rate, and if you liked it, write a review for the show. Love your support. Always want to know what you think. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. That's again, B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. Thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.